in themselves where they're going to follow this king. So 55 years passed. Let's not forget that. Many of us in this room have not seen 55 years yet. So you get to a point, you get to a point 55 years later after Manasseh had, after you have watched Manasseh undo the workings of Hezekiah. Now Manasseh says, okay, let's, let's go back to the way Hezekiah did it. People have been born and died. All right. You're talking about perhaps the grandchildren of people that were alive when when uh, Manasseh took his reign. Yeah. When you do, when you know right and you do wrong, what you do is you shoot yourself in the foot. Is one way to put it. You kill your influence. Is the other way to put it. So when you do come back to the right, the people you could have reached, a lot of them you can't reach. Somebody else has to. You know, and that's one of the dangers of knowing. The why did they say the Bible says to him that knoweth right to do. And does it not to him? It is a sin. Okay. So as we look at our homework, time for some critical thinking here. All right. We looked at. Um, we're gonna. Let's. We might come back to the homework because there's some interesting questions here in chapter 34. And these homework questions do. They do ring true in there. The first question was. Why are the consequences of sin not as easy to remove as the sin is to commit? That's question number one. Question number two is, how do you think God views rebellion? What about a country founded on rebellion? So as we look, and then the third question was, read to discuss chapter 34. As we look at chapter 34, and it opens up with Josiah at how old? Eight years old. When he reigned, and he, he reigned for how long? 31 years. 31 years. I'm going to take a stab at this and tell me if I'm not right, but I think everybody in this room has been around at least 31 years. If you're not, raise your hand. <laughs> Some of us, if we turn our age around, have still been here for 31 years. Okay. So Josiah comes in, and he starts making these reforms. Now, when Josiah makes these reforms, we see the consequences. What is the consequences? No, 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 no. Scrap that. How was Josiah's reforms different from the ones that came before him? We've had kings before Josiah, such as Hezekiah, such as Manasseh, who we just described. Kings all the way back to Solomon, who was the last king over the consolidated kingdom. All right, we've had kings make reforms before. Why? How was Josiah's reformation different if it was, if it was different? The one thing that he did that um, I think Hezekiah neglected to do was tearing down the high places, if I'm not mistaken. He, would do, he did all that he did, and he said, yet there were still some places that were not torn down. Not that he was promoting, right. you know, worship mm -hmm. thing, but he did not completely tear them all down. But in but Josiah's case in um, chapter 34, verse 3, mm -hmm. he says that um, he had a purge 
Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the idols and the carved images and the melted and cast images and broke down the altar. So he was doing a real purged, clean, thorough uh, cleaning, a thorough getting rid of all this stuff, not leaving a little bit of somebody y'all will both worship over in the corner or I act like I won't see it. But he got rid of everything. So that's what a purge is. You know, when you purge, everything comes out. So um, that was one thing that was a little different, even though both of them did what was right. Mm -hmm. He went even further. And uh, I can't remember whether they had the book when Hezekiah was king. But he's, he had started, Hezekiah had the people coming back to, to remember. He opened to, up, right, right. Right, he opened up the temple and had trying to bring him back to the worship of God the way he was supposed to. Right. So it might, it might have been there. I, I'm thinking that the book was lost around the time the Assyrians came. Yeah. And this would have been... No, it would have been after Hezekiah when the book was lost, I imagine, because uh, the Assyrians came, they won a little bit, and Hezekiah beat them back. Okay. So, yeah. And then he did reform. But then Manasseh brought all the other idols and everything into the temple, it probably was lost. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Very. And that would be Manasseh, Amen, and then Josiah. So, yeah, his grandfather did it. Okay. And there were also... Um, there's plenty of shrines and altars to, to tear down what Josiah did. And one of the things that stood out to me was the part, this is not too far into it. Um, is it verse 7? Around on that time. And the message Bible says that uh, he tore down the altars connected with Baal shrines and everything, scattered the debris and ashes over the graves of those that worshipped at them, and then he buried the bones of the priests on the same altars they had used when they were alive. Like he wanted to make sure you yeah. understood yeah. Yeah. that this is not just well, everything had a purpose. He wanted everyone to recognize this is a new day. This is not Ammon. Even if that was only two years, that's only what half of a presidential term. Mm -hmm. He was here two years, and believe you me, it's not going to end the same way. Mm -hmm. We're not starting the same way, and, and I mean the the steps that he took to make sure that that was clear really hit home. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Can you think of anything else that was different? How Josiah. Check out verse 4. What, do you see? what does verse 4 say? And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. That part, that one little part of the sentence there said, it's, it's verse 4, chapter 34. I'm just saying, who's the they? They break down the, the people that he had had to do it. You don't think that the king, we don't, we don't imagine the king himself was out there breaking the things down. He would have, he would have sent the committee, he would have had people with hammers and Saws and whatnot, so he, he would he would over, over, oversee that. But then, like all delegated tasks, the delegator usually, because he's delegating, goes off and does something else, and he waits for the report. Is the, is the work done? Yes, Your Majesty. Okay, it's done. I can even imagine Manasseh being sincere, having his committees, his delegations go out and do these things. Maybe the delegations got out there and they just did a halfway job. 
Because you know what, Manasseh, you seem like a halfway king. You know, something like that. You know what I'm saying? But then with Josiah, he didn't delegate and leave. Right there in verse four, you you don't see that in the other people's reforms. Yeah. He they break they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. Then it took the the all the uh, the images were taken, the groves were cut down, all that stuff. But he made sure not only that his command went out, but he made sure it was carried out. So different from his predecessors, who may may have been extremely sincere. It's not until we get here in chapter 34, in verse 4, that it is noted that these things were done in the presence of the king. That's a different touch there. He's also saying that I'm doing this now. It's not like my work has got, you know, got a little enthusiastic or something. No, this right. is what I have ordered mm -hmm. and I'm seeing too that it's done. And it's, it's putting, it's saying, it's me doing it. Mm -hmm. Right, right, taking responsibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you see, that's going on as well. But then let's look also uh, at Manasseh. When Manasseh did the same thing, when Manasseh did his reforms, his folks went out into the vineyards, into the groves, and did, did the same thing. But then when the son of Manasseh comes around, there are still groves around. We know this because in Manasseh's chapter before it dies, the people return to the worship of God, but they're doing it in the groves. They're making sacrifices in the places that were grown up and haloed, sanctified, so to speak, to the idols. You see? So there's a much more complete and a much more thorough cleansing. I like that word, the purge. There's a purge going on here where Josiah is... He's done what his forefathers did. He commanded the reform. But unlike many of them, he stood there and he watched it. And in his presence, that's 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 the point that got me. That that kind of it caught me by the ear and it pulled me. I had to look at him. He's standing there. Even if it was under his watch, that's not the same as in his presence. Right. Under his watch right. means his authority is there. So maybe he has a, a representative or, or something like that. Or just the fact of him being in office. Or, or, exactly. Office. Or the fact that he's in office in this place. If something happens in this place, it happens on his watch. Right. Or under his watch or something like that. Remember he said he burned the bones of the priests upon their altars. I mean, that's saying something. We're getting rid of every, everything connected. It kind of reminds you of when, when, um, when uh, Joshua was... was uh, King, but when he was a leader, and God told him to, you know, get rid of everything. When you go into a place, get rid of everything. It's a total purging and getting rid of, of everything related to mm -hmm. uh, that. Same thing with Moses. When, you know, when you get certain people like uh, Achan uh, trespassed against what God said to do, mm -hmm. he didn't just kill Achan. He took yeah. your whole, like they used to say, your whole generation. Took your mother, your father, everybody, everybody connected to you. We you know, you sacrifice it to a God. What are you doing? 
what are you what are you what is that act what does that symbolize in a religion because it's not the same in all religions but what what in your religion or in your thoughts what is that symbolize? Obedience. obedience okay it could be obedience because the commandment is to sacrifice this animal on on the altar it could be a penalty a penalty a penalty right how so um something has to die for an act that was committed. Exactly. A remission. A, a, a penalty being com, uh, acted out on one that isn't the one who committed the crime. Mm-hmm. All right? So when, when in, in our religion, in Christianity, let me go back, not Christianity, in Judaism, what they would do is they would take the lamb, all right, and then you and your family are around the lamb, and y'all are whispering uh, your sins out loud onto this lamb. The symbolism is that the sins of your family are going on this lamb. The priest, when the lamb gets up there, he, he, he whispers the sins of the people onto the sacrificial animal. Now, there's an animal called a scapegoat. This animal, they speak the sins of the people onto the animal, and then they release it into the wilderness so that the sins of the people are no longer in the camp. All right. The symbolism is that you place your wrongdoings on this thing and then drive that thing away from your presence. All right. Uh, and one, and and the one that our sister Nesbitt, uh, sister Dia, um, brought up. When you when you kill the animal there, it is taking the penalty of the one that it is representing the sinner, and it takes the penalty for the sin. So you kill the animal, and that is the the picture or the illustration of the the uh, punishment you were supposed to get. So when Josiah takes the ashes of the priest and then sat, burns them on the altar of the gods. What does it, what to you, what does that seem like it's saying to you? What is he trying to show there? Maybe a penalty for worshiping those gods or okay. consequences for worshiping those gods. And those consequences would be? Death. Death. Burning. Hell. Hell. It's a, it's a it's a symbol. Okay, it's a symbol of the thing to come. All right, it's it's a it's a disrespect for a priest to be killed on the altar where he sacrifices things. All right, that's like saying putting all your sin on me so that I could be sacrificed in like your stead. Warning to Yes, like a warning. Exactly. Uh see now so death on the altar for the priest that would be a dishonor not only to the priests who had disobeyed God and dishonored God but also to the gods I'm sacrificing to you your own priests alright imagine if somebody if the Assyrians when they came in they took all the Levites all the tribes of the Levites and slayed them all and then sacrifice them on the altar of God. What kind of insult would that be? It'd be huge. That's kind of that's drawing the line in the sand and say, I dare you to cross. To God. That's what you'd be doing. So this is what this kid Josiah was doing to those gods. He drew a line in the sand. I'm not respecting your priests. Alright, so he took their ashes, put them on, burned the ashes. Alright? Then destroy the altar. Not only that, the groves. 
Manasseh with, with his committee, if he sent out a delegation to do it and they didn't do it, or maybe he didn't even think to, okay, destroy the groves too. No. Or maybe he said, just take the images down. You know, who can use the trees? It, it could have been anything. All right? Josiah, what he did, he took down the groves. And, he, and it says by the end of the chapter, the difference was, verse 33, And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the, all the countries that pertain to the children of Israel. Not only did he, because he was king of Judah, right? Yeah. He didn't just do what needed to be done in Judah, but all of Israel. Remember, Israel was not just a family back then. I mean, it was not just a country back then. These are the descendants of the same family. So everything that pertained to Judah and Israel, Josiah took responsibility for that. 